I'm reading from Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 23. The sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was a father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was peopled. Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard. He drank some of the wine and became drunk, and he laid uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. The word of God for the people of God. This week I was uh, reading a book that was written by a man named Jay Baker. Now you, may, you may not know who Jay Baker is, but there's a good chance that if you're my age or older, you've heard of his parents, Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker. Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker back in the, the 70s and 80s were sort of mega celebrities of the, the Christian world. Jimmy and Tammy Faye got their start back in the 1960s when they were asked to create a, a children's program for a Christian television station. And, and Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker, they, they did this program on less than a shoestring budget. They had to make their own puppets. They, they took a sock and put some teeth in it, and they called that Allie the Alligator. And they, they took the plastic cap off of a, a bottle of Porky Pig bubble bath, and then they put some yellow yarn on top of Porky Pig's head to turn him into a girl, and they named it Susie Moppet. With, with today's standards of media production, when we look back at that program now, it looks impossibly cheesy. It looks incredibly corny, but there was something about about Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker. They sparkled in front of the camera. People connected with them. The show was a hit. And as time went on, their, their, their ministry through the television and their celebrity grew and grew until 20 years later in the early 1980s, Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker were sitting on top of a vast media empire. In the early 1980s, the Bakers owned one of only four satellite television stations that existed in the entire world at that time. Their Praise the Lord Club television program was broadcast into 13 million homes. They even opened their own theme park. They started a Bible-themed amusement park called Heritage USA, and only Disney World and Disneyland attracted more visitors each year than Heritage USA. In the early 1980s, Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker were on top of the world, but, but their son, Jay Baker, was in the position that a lot of preacher's kids often find themselves in. He saw all of the stuff that nobody else saw. He was the one who saw what his parents were like, what was going on when the cameras were turned off. He could see that when the cameras were on, his, his parents sparkled and their, their smiles gleamed and they presented to the world this image of a, a clean cut and wholesome and uncomplicated family and everything seemed to be going just fine. But he knew that when the cameras were off, his parents were behaving in a very different way. He knew that his mom and dad had fought in the car on the way to church that morning. He knew that all was not well behind the scenes, and inevitably his suspicions were confirmed when all of a sudden, almost overnight, the, the Jimmy and Tammy Faye empire came crashing down. The first, the first sign of trouble came when Tammy Faye was admitted to a rehab center. She was hospitalized for a 
drug overdose. It turned out that she had become addicted to prescription medicines. She had been taking tranquilizers and, and, and mood enhancers in order to deal with the stresses of, of being a celebrity, of running this vast media empire. And then just a few months after Tammy Faye was admitted into to rehab, and what, of course, the media had a field day with the story of a Christian media star who had fallen from grace. Just a few months later, the, the news leaked out that Jimmy Baker had had an affair with a secretary that, praise the Lord, ministries had paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to cover up this story and to, to keep this woman quiet. And then just after that story broke, Jimmy Baker was indicted on charges of fraud and conspiracy. He was tried and convicted and sentenced to 45 years in prison. Imagine how bewildering, how overwhelming this must have been for Jay Baker, who was just about to enter his teenage years. Imagine what it must have been like to turn on the television, to open a newspaper every day, and to see his family falling apart and the whole world delighting and taking glee in his family falling apart. One day, they were on top of the world. One day, he was the son in this famous family. He was watching his parents rub elbows with, par- with, with presidents and with movie stars. He had his own private amusement park to play in right in his backyard. One day, they were on top of the world, and then the next day, his father is in prison. His mother is in rehab. Their marriage is in shambles. The friends he used to play with won't return his phone calls. Their parents won't allow them to to play with him. If any young man, if any child has ever had a reason to rebel, if any child has ever had a reason to lash out in anger at his parents, Jay Baker was that child, and that's exactly what he did. And the night his father was convicted and led off to prison in handcuffs, Jay Baker went out to a party, and he decided he was going to drink a wine cooler. And then he decided he was going to smoke a cigarette. And now you have to understand that Jay Baker was raised in one of those churches where they taught that that God wants you to follow the rules. And if you don't follow the rules, then God is going to punish you and judge you and condemn you and, and send you to hell. Jay Baker was convinced that he was probably going to go to hell for drinking that wine cooler. And he figured, if I'm going to hell for a wine cooler, I might as well try everything else too. And so that's what he did. He started trying all of the drugs that he could get his hands on. By the time he graduated from high school, he was a raging alcoholic. His life was in shambles. And then in one final act of rebellion, in one final act of lashing out and trying to cause his parents pain, in one final act of sticking it to the people who had hurt him so much, Jay Baker walked away from the church. He walked away from the Christian faith. He stopped believing in God entirely. One of the most difficult moments in all of our lives is that moment when we realize that our parents are not who we thought they were. As small children growing up, we, we believe that our parents are these sort of superhuman, godlike creatures, that they know all things, that they can do all things. We, we believe that our parents are more than human, and we believe everything that they tell us without questioning just because they are, they are our parents. But then inevitably, there comes a day when that all comes crashing down. There comes a day when suddenly we look at our parents and we see something that we didn't see before. The day comes when they embarrass us. The day comes when we see weakness where we had only seen strength. The day comes when we suddenly look at our parents and realize actually they're just people like everybody else. And that moment can be terrifying. When did that moment come for you? When did you first realize that your parents were just human beings? 
For me, I think that moment came the, the night that my father had his first heart attack. That night, I was the only other person at home, and so suddenly my dad was clutching his chest, and he was telling me that he needed me to drive him to the hospital. That was the first time in our lives together that my dad had needed me to take care of him. I never looked at my dad the same after that night. Our relationship changed because of that experience. I had to learn to relate to my father in a new way. When did that moment come for you? When did you look at your parents in a new way? Way. When did you suddenly discover that you had to reestablish a new kind of relationship with your parents? When did they let you down? When did they cause you pain? When did they make a mistake? When did your parents disappoint you and mess up? For many of us, that moment when our parents first let us down, that's the first moment of real spiritual crisis that we have in our lives. When our parents mess up and we realize that they're not who we thought they were, suddenly we begin to question everything that they ever told us. We can feel betrayed by our parents. We can feel angry. Sometimes we want to lash out and cause them pain just because they've caused us pain and confusion. And that's what we see happening in this morning's scripture reading. We see that moment of crisis happening in Noah's family. Now, you think you know the story of of Noah. You think you learned the whole story of Noah when you were growing up in Sunday school. If I were to ask you to tell me the story of Noah, most of you could probably do it, right? Noah was the one righteous man in all the world. In an age of wickedness, God looked at the world and saw that there was one man, one man who was still trying to live a faithful and a holy life. And so when God decides to wash the world clean, when God decides to sweep away the sinfulness of the world and start over, God decides that one family, Noah's family, will be spared. And so God tells Noah, build a boat, bring the animals and your family into the boat. And then the rain comes, and then the rain goes, and the water goes down. Noah and his family and the animals, they get off the ark, and there's a rainbow in the sky, and God says, I'm never going to do this again. I will never destroy the world like this again. That's the story that you learned in Sunday school, but there are parts of this story that we don't tell the kids in Sunday school. There are parts of this story that you maybe never have heard before. This morning's story from the book of Genesis happens in the days after Noah and his family get off the ark. The world is in shambles. The world is, is filled with the kind of devastation that we see when we look at the news and see what's been happening in Florida in this last week. The world is covered in rubble. None of the fields are ready for planting. The world is bare. And the, the family of Noah have got to build the world up from scratch again. They've got to start literally from the ground up to build a new world. It's a stressful time. It's a painful time when they're all nursing the wounds of the people and the things and the lies that they've lost. And in this moment of pain, in this moment of stress and hard work and exhaustion, Noah decides he's going to plant some vines. He plants a vineyard, and then when he sees that the vines have got grapes on them, he harvests the grapes, he smashes the grapes, he turns the grapes into wine, and then when the wine is ready, Noah takes a, a sip of the wine. He makes a face because it's not very good wine, but still it feels, it feels good to be drinking wine again. Noah hasn't had a sip of wine in months, and it feels good to be doing something that feels normal, something that feels like what he might have done before the flood came. And so instead of just tossing it out and making another batch, Noah drains his cup, and then he fills it again, and then he drains it, and he fills it again, and he drains it and fills it. And Noah keeps on drinking until he can hardly see straight. And finally, he decides, now I better, I better go and try and sleep this off. And so he staggers back to his tent. He goes into his tent, and he tries to change into his pajamas, but he is so drunk that he passes out in the middle of changing into his pajamas. He falls down naked on the floor, and that is where his son Ham discovers him. Later that evening, Noah's son Ham wanders into Noah's tent. We don't know why he was there. 
I don't know if he was looking for something, needed to borrow a tool, if he was worried about his dad and just coming to check on his dad. We don't know why Ham went into the tent that night. All we know is that Ham went into the tent and he saw his father lying there naked on the floor, arms sprawled all over the place, legs akimbo, lying in a great big pile of drool. And he looked at his dad and in that moment, Ham had a full-blown spiritual crisis. Suddenly in that moment, he saw something in his father that he had never seen before and it made him angry. He felt betrayed. He suddenly found that he wanted to lash out at his father. Looking at his father lying there on the floor, Ham started talking to his father even though his father couldn't hear him. He said, do you know what I have gone through for you? When you started building this crazy boat, I started helping you and all of my friends thought I was crazy and they stopped talking to me. And then, and then when the rains came, I listened as my neighbors were pounding on the side of the ark begging to be let in. But you told us that we couldn't let them in, that it was God's will that only our family be saved. And so I let them drown because you told me that God had spoken to you. And then I spent months on this miserable, stinking boat shoveling manure and feeding animals 18 hours a day. And then I walk off that boat into this world of rubble and ruin and devastation. My marriage is in tatters. My family is falling apart. I am unhappy every day. And I did all of this because you told me that you were the one remaining righteous man in all the world. And God had given you a message. And now I am looking at you lying there on the floor. And you do not look like the one remaining righteous man in all the world. You look like a common drunk. And Ham starts wondering if any of it was true. Did did God really speak to Noah? Was it all just a hallucination? Is there really even a God at all? In that moment, Ham starts questioning everything he thought he ever knew. He sees his father in a new light. And as Ham stands there, staring, gazing at his father's nakedness, all of the affection, all of the love, all of the respect that he once had for his father, it melts away until the only thing that is left is contempt. And in the depths of that contempt, Ham decides that he's going to do the the only thing he knows how to do to really hurt his father. He's going to tell the world what he has seen. And so he walks out of the tent, he finds his brothers, and he says, Guys, you're not going to believe this, but Dad is passed out, stone drunk and naked on the floor of his tent. If you want to see who Dad really is, you need to go in there and check it out right now, last righteous man in the world. He doesn't look so holy right now. Ham tells his brothers what he has seen. When did your parents let you down? When did you first see weakness in your parents? When was that moment when you realized that your parents were only human beings after all, the same as the rest of us, imperfect people who make mistakes and fail and get it wrong sometimes? When did that moment happen for you? How long did it take you to forgive your parents for being human? Did you ever? The next thing that happens in this story is really beautiful. I love what happens next in this story. So Noah's other sons, Shem and Japheth, they hear Ham's report about what has happened with their father, and they have to make a decision. They they have to come up with a plan for dealing now with this thing that has happened in their family, this embarrassing mistake that their father has made. And finally, they come up with a plan together. What they what they do next is beautiful. Ham and Japheth, they don't, or Shem and Japheth, they don't go into the tent and, and gaze at their father's nakedness. They don't go into the tent and get out their phones and take pictures and share them on Instagram. They don't, they don't take pictures of their dad and then sell them to the National Enquirer. They don't, they don't bask in their dad's humiliation and embarrassment. Instead, what they do is this. They find a blanket, 
and they each hold it between them. And then they open the flap of the tent, and they walk backwards into the tent. And as they walk into the tent, they lay that blanket over Noah's naked body so they don't have to look at him, and he is not naked anymore. They cover their father's embarrassment. They cover his shame. They cover his sinfulness in an act of love that restores his dignity and helps to this family start to put itself back together again. Do you see what a beautiful thing this is that Shem and Japheth do? In walking into that tent backwards, they're saying, we get it. We understand what dad has done. We know that dad has messed up. There's no pretending in this family. Nobody is pretending that Noah hasn't made a mistake. Nobody is pretending that Noah is anything other than what he is. By walking into that tent to cover him up, they are acknowledging what has happened, and yet they are refusing to dwell upon it. They are refusing to gaze upon his nakedness. They walk towards their father, but they walk towards him backwards, and sometimes that's the kind of love that holds a family together, particularly when we are speaking about our parents who have let us down, sometimes the best way that we can love them is to walk towards them backwards. The thing, the thing that resolves the spiritual crisis that all of us have is that moment when we realize that, yes, our parents are weak, they're imperfect, they're human, but we get to choose what we're going to look at. We get to choose what we're going to gaze upon. We get to choose what we're going to dwell upon and hold in our hearts as the image of our parents. We can either gaze into their nakedness or walk towards them backwards. Sometimes the love that holds a family together is choosing not to dwell upon the ways that people let us down and walk instead walk towards each other backwards. Well, Jay Baker continued to rebel against his parents for years. He dug himself a deeper and deeper pit of addiction and misery for for seven years after his parents had their very public explosion all over national media. And then one day when he was at the very bottom of that pit, Jay Baker, for some reason, reached out and grabbed a Bible. Even though he'd grown up as the son of televangelists, he'd never really read the Bible much before. And one day, for some reason, he decided that he was was going to do it. And so he opened up the Bible and he started reading, reading the stories of Jesus. He started reading the words of Jesus. And Jay Baker, reading the stories and the words of Jesus, couldn't believe what he was seeing. Suddenly, he saw something he'd never seen before. He saw that the God who Jesus described didn't sound very much like the God who he heard about going to church with his parents all those years. He discovered that the God who Jesus tells us about is not a a wrathful and vengeful and angry God who's just waiting for us to break rules and mess up so God can send down hellfire and condemnation. He discovered that the God, the God we meet in the words and the stories of Jesus is a God who loves us just exactly as we are, a gracious and a merciful God who chooses to walk towards us backwards. God knows everything about us. God knows the things that nobody else knows. God sees who we are when the cameras are off and we're behind closed doors, and yet God chooses to walk towards us and cover our sins. And Jay Baker, as he read the words of Jesus, suddenly started to wonder, what would the church look like if we could love each other exactly that way? What would a church look like where people accepted everybody just as they came, just as they were? What would a church look like if the people of that church learned to walk towards each other backwards, not dwelling on people's imperfections or weaknesses or the ways they disappoint us? 
He was so captivated by this idea that he decided to start that church himself. And so seven years after his family fell apart all over national television, Jay Baker, seven years after he had stopped believing in God and left the Christian faith altogether, Jay Baker decided to start a church and become a pastor. He started believing in God again. He started a church called Revolution Church, and then he reached out to his parents, and he started working to patch over things and find reconciliation with his parents. There were times in the years to come when he even sought his parents' wisdom and guidance uh, as it regarded his ministry. He patched things up with his parents. It turns out that the story of the Baker family has, has, if not a happy ending, at the very least, a hopeful ending. All of us can take comfort. All of us can take encouragement from this story. If Jay Baker can become a pastor and find his way back into the church, if Jay Baker can keep his faith, if Jay Baker can find peace with his parents, then there is hope for you and me. There is hope that we will learn how to love our parents in a new way. There is hope that we will learn how to be the church in a new way. There is hope that you and I will become the kind of people who walk towards each other backwards. Let's pray. God, we pray that you would teach us to love in new ways. We pray that you would teach us to forgive in new ways. We pray that you would teach us to walk in new ways. God, we pray that this place would be filled with the kind of love and grace that cover over sins and don't dwell upon disappointments. God, fill this place with your grace. In Jesus we pray. Amen.